0: You guys excited about tonight? We're continuing our series um, on uh, sex and sexuality. We call it "Real Talk," and really, that weekend, I highly recommend. If it, if there's any way that you can make that weekend, uh, make it. Like, be there. I know Brian is being kind of silly about it, but <laughs> but it's it's a weekend that is is really needed. You know, even in our, our series on Thursday night, we can only go so far talking about sex and sexuality and everything that encompasses it. And that weekend is just a weekend where we not only address cultural topics, but we're addressing topics of the heart and how we've been affected by broken sexuality. And we invite the Lord into that space and we, we are praying that we would all experience freedom and healing from areas of our past and areas of... Um, yeah, of sexual brokenness that the Lord desperately wants to heal. We had tremendous testimonies from our real talk last year, and I'm anticipating an even greater, um, an even greater experience this time. So March 25, 26, you're all going to sign up. Great, thank you for that. Um, so tonight we're going to be, like I said, we're going to be continuing our series on uh, sex and sexuality. Our our um, series title is Real Talk: Sex and God. And to start off, I want to say that this message is for everyone. So whether you're single, whether you are heterosexual, whether you are same-sex attracted, whether you are dating, whether you are engaged, whether you are married, this message affects you whether you know it or not. And I'm anticipating that the Lord, that the Holy Spirit is going to do something in your heart and in your mind to draw you to Jesus and what he wants to do in you in regards to your sexual history and your sexual brokenness and your future in living uh, a pure and set-apart life unto God as it relates to sexuality. So I'd imagine there are probably, as I've been in ministry, I've noticed that different people deal, deal with different things. You know what I'm talking about? Like some of you deal with things and then you have friends that deal with things and you're like, I don't deal with that at all, right? And you kind of judge them because you don't, you don't have the same struggle. But we have different... So some people really struggle with like their sexuality, right? Whether that be they have strong, a strong sex drive or whether it be they have questions about sexuality in general. Some people just struggle. So I've... I, 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 heard this classification of different types of people from another pastor and I stole it from him but basically there are four different categories of single Christians or single people in this crowd right now you have the happy virgins these are the people that may, they may not be really virgins but since becoming Christian or since following Jesus they are totally okay with holding off with sex and making out and all the other things that come and all the other temptations that come sexually, totally okay with saving it until they get married. Then you have the horny Christians or the horny virgins, I'm sorry. <laughs> the horny virgins are those that they, they, they know and they have the desire to like abstain from sex and from crossing their boundaries but they're horny, <laughs> and they, they often get tempted, and they're in a relationship, and they often set boundaries, but then they cross them, and then they feel really bad, and then they, and then this is a totally, this is a lot, this is a lot of people. <laughs> this is a lot of people in the church. Maybe it's single people who really want to get married, and they have a strong sex drive, and maybe it's, this is someone who has an addiction to pornography and is single, or masturbation fantasy, or maybe this is a person who really wants to save themselves for marriage but finds themselves in video chat rooms and is doing things online that they would never confess in this room, and so you have these horny versions, and then you have the people who are stealing third these are the, these are the people the single people that are in this room Christians they love Jesus but they find themselves with no boundaries and they find themselves being led by their hearts and their emotions and they find themselves with doing or having oral sex mutual masturbation they find themselves crossing lines that they don't admit to and yet they claim the name of Jesus and they genuinely do love Jesus but they are stealing third when it comes to their boundaries and their sexual boundaries. And then you have the full send. These are people who um, don't agree with the biblical framework of, of, sexual, of sexuality and of sex and love they claim to love Jesus and yet they live with a boyfriend or girlfriend. They're having sex either with their boyfriend, girlfriend, fiance or they're having sex with multiple people, they're hooking up and they claim to love Jesus, and yet they don't have any boundaries when it comes to sex. And so these are the four different types of people that I would imagine might be in the room tonight. And my message to all of those people is that all of those people have broken sexuality. Your initial response was, I'm really happy with the happy virgins. You're the good people. You're the, you're the righteous ones, happy virgins, or maybe the horny virgins. You're like, hey, you're putting up a good fight, but I'm here to actually say that every category of person has broken sexuality in the church. Not, I'm not bashing the church because I don't think it's the church's fault, but our interpretation of the church's teaching is to say all those all all those stealing third and full send people. You are awful people. Get your act together, and maybe you should. But this message is not to tell you to get your act together, but to paint a picture of God's design for sex that might actually motivate you to rethink your boundaries and values around sex and sexuality. Give me a thumbs up if this makes sense. So I'm going to read uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 20. It says, flee from sexual immorality. Flee, run, sprint away from sexual immorality. Every other, person, every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. For you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. So our bodies and what we do with them are very important. It actually says in this verse that, God bought our bodies with the blood of Christ so we are no longer our own. That our bodies and what we do with them is no longer just a matter of ourselves, but it is a matter of of unto God. And that when we sin, we are sinning against God, but when we sin sexually, we are sinning even against ourselves. And so I remember my first time hearing about sex. Does anyone else remember their first time hearing about sex? I was probably in third or fourth grade, and some people have more innocent experiences than others, and if you're one who had a traumatic experience, I apologize, and I say, hold on to hope because Jesus can redeem everyone. I was probably in fourth grade. My older brother and cousin were talking to me, and they asked me if I knew what sex was, and not wanting to be embarrassed, I remember explaining and giving a silly definition of what a third or fourth grade Jake thought sex was, my brother and my cousin laughed hysterically at me, and I was very embarrassed. They went on to graphically tell me what sex was. And I remember feeling so embarrassed and ashamed in that moment. And in that moment, I made a split decision that I would never be naive about sex again because of the embarrassment that I felt in that moment. And That led me on a path, and I remember thinking, maybe I should talk to my parents and ask my parents what sex is about. But I thought, that's weird, no, I'm not gonna ask my parents about sex. And so it led me on a path, eventually leading to the internet and finding images and videos of what sex was. No one knew and I felt dirty and ashamed, but at least I wouldn't be embarrassed. My time started off watching soft porn and then on to more graphic images and videos in that, in that experience, in that time, I, I never knew what was actually happening was that my, my view and values and, uh, and my view of sex was being formed. So I was learning things about sex in those moments alone that would carry me through my teenage years, even though I was taught From the Bible, what sex was, this experience that I had seemed to have more of an influence on my subconscious belief of the purpose and the reason for sex. So I was told sex is for marriage, and I thought, okay, I'll wait. And I did. All the while watching porn and masturbating consistently and feeling shame and never telling anyone. But what about these hormones and desires that seem uncontrollable? I just have to wait, I guess. I just have to wait for marriage. And as long as I wait till marriage, I'll be pure. Do you get it? A teenage boy being consumed by culture's perverted view of sex, training my mind, and yet I thought because I didn't do an act, I was pure. Oh how I was wrong. <laughs> And my question to us is, where have you learned about sex? Do you know its purpose? Is it just for pleasure? Is it for procreation? Is it for fun and adventure and risk? Or is there a deeper purpose to the act of sex and our sexual drive that maybe we haven't discovered yet? Could that be possible? My next question is, who's been your tutor about sex? Who's been your teacher when it comes to, your, to sex in your views of sexuality? Who's your tutor? Is it Instagram and YouTube and, and music and celebrities and, mo- and movies and TV shows? Who is your tutor? Because we all have one, or we all have many. And what I found is that most people don't have the right tutor, <laughs> Most people have been taught and and have been shaped by a perversion of what sex is, and they have not grasped the purpose of sex, which leads us to misuse it. My next question is Are your tutors trustworthy? Are those celebrities that we're watching? Are those movies that we're watching? Is it music that we're listening to? Are those trustworthy sources for what sex is really all about? Or are your tutors just as broken or even more broken than anyone else and yet we naively listen to their teachings and to their values and to their graphic displays of what sex is and we take it because it's normal? There is a purpose for sex, guys and gals. And it's found within the scriptures, and it's found ultimately within the person of Jesus, even though Jesus never had sex. He was a single man. So God is the maker of all things, including sex. Like God made sex. (laughs) I will get to this in a minute. (laughs) He made it, and he made it with a purpose that was not just pleasure. He made it, not just for pleasure, although it is pleasure-full. Is that a word? I don't know if that's a word. So I have a, when, I, when I do weddings, when I officiate weddings, we'll always have a, like a talk about sex, okay? So I'll talk about sex with couples as they're preparing to get married. And I... And I make this statement that always makes me laugh because it makes them really feel uncomfortable. Like, um, And so I, I say, oh, no, your wedding night, you're going to have sex. And when you have sex, I just want to warn you that God is not going to have a conversation like this. Hey, Holy Spirit, Jesus, come here. Hey, they're, they're going to have some time they're going to have sex. So let's just like, let's give them some space because, you know, that's like a private thing. Okay? Let's, okay, okay. Okay. Now go ahead, do your thing. We'll be back, and it's your wedding night, however long it takes you. <laughs> that's not a conversation that God's having. God is not looking away from sex. Now, God is not pleased with all expressions of sex and sexuality, but he is not looking away, especially when two people are coming together in covenant marriage. God is there. He's fully present at the point of sex. He is the maker of sex. It gives him great joy for us to experience sex within the purpose in which he created it. It is a gift that he gave us. He made it with a purpose. So let's talk about that purpose tonight. So as we talk about this purpose I want to unpack it. It might be a little bit wordy. If you have notes, I encourage you to take notes because I want you to be able to look back at this, okay? So the beautiful purpose of sex is to glorify God. It is to glorify God. Let me unpack this. That's a very Christian-y uh, first point, okay? <laughs> but I will unpack it and it'll make a little bit more sense. So Matthew 9, 4, uh, 19, 4 through 7 Jesus is talking and he, he was asked about divorce, but he actually gives a teaching on sex and sexuality. He says, he answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. You see here Jesus establishes the purpose and boundaries of sex and marriage. He ties it back to Genesis with its purpose. The two shall become one flesh. Jesus shares the purpose of, of sex within marriage that the two people, the male and female, shall come together and they will become one. It is intimacy. It is union. It is two becoming one. So he relates it back to Genesis 2, which I'll read now. So the Lord God, this is Adam, he had already made Adam and he was alone. And then you have Eve who's being created at this point. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, Adam. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, "This this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother, and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked, and were not ashamed. Here we see God creating male and female, and notice that Eve was taken out of Adam, and then when they have sex within the covenant marriage, the two, remember, Eve was a part of Adam's size, pulled out, God fashions her into woman, and now them coming together, becoming one through sex. We'll continue to break this down. So, I remember hearing a story when I was 19. And this testimony or this teaching that I heard changed my perspective on sex instantly. And it's going to be somewhat, not graphic, it's going to be somewhat graphic. And so I'm just giving you a warning. But before Eve was created, Adam was alone. And God said, it's not good for man to be alone. And so he created Eve. In this teaching that this this pastor gave, he made this statement that really shook me. He said, Adam was not walking around the garden with an erection. Some of you are like, what, did you just really say that? Yes, I did say that. Let me unpack it. What culture has told us is that men are pigs, and they ha- are unable to crave their sexual appetite. They're unable to control it, and what this has done is is is. is painting men as unable to control themselves. It is, it is filtered into the church where we almost have this view that Adam was walking around. He had sexual needs. God was like, well, we gotta allow him to express his sexual needs, so let's create woman. Eve was not created so that Adam could have his sexual needs met. Not the purpose. When I heard that statement, it made me realize that I had thought that was the case. That I had thought that was sex was so that I could have all of my sexual drive and all of my sexual needs met. And all I had to do was just wait for marriage. And then once I get into marriage, it's like game on party time, baby. And there was no purpose behind it. There were only boundaries. There was no transcendent purpose for why sex was created. It was just wait. And I was able to wait, but most people... I was able to wait. I still wasn't pure because my mind was clouded with perverse views of sex, objectifying women and, and, and ridiculously perverted thoughts, and yet I claimed to be pure, and it was just, it's so not the case. I, I realized I would gotten it all wrong. Sex was a destination in order to fill my sexual desires. It was a release from the sexual drive that I had, and so all I was hearing, was boundaries. I never understood purpose. And so Adam was made, let me unpack this, Adam was made in the image of God, and so are we. Adam was made in the image of God, Eve was made in the image of God, and so are we. What is a part of that image? First John 4 says, God is love. So Adam was made in the image of love. He was made in the image of love. And because love is self-sacrificial, the reason or one of the reasons Eve was created was so that Adam would have somebody to love, to lay down his life for, because Jesus is the expression of what love is, which is self-sacrificial. It is laying down my life for someone else. And so in order for Adam to clearly represent the image of God, he had to have someone in order to lay down his life unto Is this making sense? So it wasn't to fulfill sexual needs. It was actually an avenue in which Adam could self-sacrificially love in order to cover the earth, to subdue it, and to glorify God. And sex was an avenue in which Adam and Eve, or humanity, can be connected, or two people in marriage can be connected, spirit, soul, and body. Sex was a gift given to us within the covenant of marriage that the two become one during sex. And it has this, sex has this really crazy um, effect on our brains chemically. So, like, right, science is showing us that when, when you have sex, right, there's a chemical that's released in your brain. And it actually is a bonding chemical agent that releases in both partners or both people's brains, and it actually connects you to that person like a seer coming on your hand, giving leaving an a, a, an eternal impact on your or imprint on your skin. Is just like I took a hot rod and and put it in the flames, and I came and I and I. It to your back, and they would that the, the effects of that would be forever. So it is when you have sex with someone, and God designed it that way so that you would be connected, united, unionized with one person for life, so that you would have the motivation and the connection to self sacrificially love that person till death do you part. So that the world would see that Christians, that followers of Jesus, have a love towards their spouses and their families that is unseen in the world. This is the purpose for sex, so that people can look and see Christ in our marriages through self-sacrificial love. And sex is the avenue in which God has designed us to be unionized and find intimacy with our spouse. So yes, there is pleasure. <laughs> there are such a thing as orgasms. Yes, it is enjoyable, else everybody wouldn't be doing it. But there is a transcendent purpose that the devil is actively seeking to destroy because he knows its power. There, it is the devil, I'm convinced, it is the devil's top five, at least, priority to destroy your uh, your thinking and your theology and your belief of the purpose of sex. There's nothing more that he wants than to get you to think that sex is casual and that it is not holy, to think it is something that is no big deal, because God created it with a purpose to glorify himself through the two becoming one, showing self-sacrificial love till death do us part, modeling the love of Christ To our world, it even says this in Ephesians five. It says, "Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her." The problem is, this is—I mean, this is like fairyland for most of us, right? Like, what, Jake? This is not our experience with marriage. This is not our experience with our parents' marriage. If our parents even are married, this is not our experience within the church. There's divorce almost the same rate. There's adultery. There's all this sexual sin. There's pornography. Even in the church, Jake, this isn't a reality. How could this be the purpose if we're so missing the mark? And here's where I'll say, don't base your theology on broken humans. Base your theology on scripture. Don't base your truth On human's ability to fail, base your truth on what Jesus has said and what the scriptures teach about a subject, especially one that's as important as sex. Amen? Humans will fail us, pastors will fail us, parents will fail us, we will fail ourselves. Let's look to Jesus. So I've just painted the purpose of sex, and now let's realize this truth. We are all broken. We all have broken sexuality. So when sin entered, one of the main areas that the devil has wreaked havoc in our lives is destroying the purity that God gave us when it comes to our sex and our sexuality. And it is even more pronounced now as the average age of first exposure to pornography is eight years old. So our culture is bombarding us with sexual messages and, and sexual images and sexual videos, and it is very hard, and so this left us Much like myself learning about sex from the internet, we all have a broken sexuality, even if we've never had sex. We all have a distorted view of sex, and we need to go to the scriptures, and we need to go to Jesus so that he can reclaim God's design for sex. Because if you can get a vision for what sex is about, you can start following Jesus with a pure heart and stumble your way forward. I don't expect you to be perfect, right? If you have an addiction to pornography or maybe you're struggling with masturbation, maybe you have uh, casual sex, maybe you're struggling because you're in a relationship. I'm never saying you're not going to struggle, but I'm saying you need to get the vision. You need to get the value, the priority that God has for sex. And then you need to go to God and realize, I am broken, My view of sexuality, I've been tutored by the wrong teacher, I've been taught by the wrong guy or the wrong gal, and God, I need to see the truth. And I've laid out a biblical case, but I cannot go to the Father for you. I cannot go to Jesus for you with a broken and contrite heart. I cannot be the one to break your heart over sin. Only you can be broken over your sin. I cannot be the one who goes to Jesus unabandoned, naked, and exposed with all of your brokenness. You have to do that. And the reality is, is if we're going to do that, one of the biggest obstacles that I've found is that most people view their sex drive as bad and Evil. And they try to snuff out and put a flame or put out the flame of their sex drive. If I only didn't have a sex drive, listen, God gave you your sex drive. Don't hate what God gave you. You might need to manage it more in a more holy and righteous way, but don't hate your sex drive. God gave it to you so that you could have a vision for what God, the purpose that God gave it to us. Does this make sense? there 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 is a there is a perspective among among specifically christians who are pursuing holiness in their sexuality that they hate themselves for their sexual sin Listen, God gave you that sexual, that sexual drive. You have to go to the Father and say, God, this is a good thing. You need to reshape it. You need to reframe it. You need to show me where this is good. Heal the, hearts, the parts that are broken and put me on a path to walk out holiness in a way that brings honor to you. And in the meantime, create better boundaries. Create, uh, start a conversation with a trusted Christian friend or mentor about what you're dealing with and what you've dealt with in your past. Your sex drive is a good thing, we just need to manage it. The devil has come to destroy it, he's come to pervert it, he's come to, to deceive us and trick us into thinking that sex is casual and unholy, and it is, it, is, it is just normal, but sex is set apart, it is designed for a man and a woman in marriage to be unionized and in, have intimacy, naked and unashamed, every part of me given to every part of you till death do us part. The safety and trust and security and intimacy. And as we do that and we love one another sacrificially in the, within marriage, God is glorified. So a lot of people here are single. So I can be like, You're just telling me I have to wait? Yes but I'm telling you, you get a vision. Because once you get vision for the purpose, God has a holy and powerful supernatural way to give you grace to walk out holiness. He has a way to... Change or renew your mind to the scriptural, to the scriptural standard and to heal your heart from bro- the brokenness that we have experienced and to help us walk forward in holiness. Listen, I'm convinced that this group is called to radically live out purity in a way that will revolutionize our families, revolutionize our college campuses. If we do not get sex right, the world will never care what we have to say. If we do not pursue righteousness in a redemptive way, in a holy way, in a way full of grace and truth, if we do not own it and go after it ourselves, we will never reach our culture. Because sex is the number one issue. It's the number one issue of everyone's life. And if we, I'm convinced, we are purposed on this planet, this group, You watching here right now to pursue holiness in the area of sexuality in a way that brings you to Jesus that is not full of condemnation, but is full of freedom, grace, and movement towards holiness. Amen? And we do not have to be ashamed of talking about it. We do not have to be ashamed of our past. We do not have to be ashamed of what we're currently struggling with. There is so much grace in the kingdom of God. But if we hide, if we hide in the dark in our sexual sin and we raise our hands and pretend like everything's okay, we say we love Jesus, we evangelize, we go do this, and yet we are watching porn, yet we are hiding in the dark, God cannot bless our life to the magnitude in which he desires. We must come to the open. We don't have to be perfect, but we must come to the light as he's in the light. All of this brokenness that we have, it's not culture, right? Yeah, culture's messed up. We gotta own ourselves first, right? We gotta, deal with we gotta deal with our home first before we deal with anyone else. It's led to so much pain that the church has solutions for. Sex outside of marriage, hookups, One night stands, casual sex, oral sex, pornography, paying for sex, getting paid for sex, sex with someone with the same gender, orgies, affairs, sexting, sending nudes, sexual chat rooms, all of it happening, I would imagine, with people in this room. And I'm not condemning anyone, but I'm saying it's happening and we must come to Jesus. We must deal with our sexual brokenness. And the crazy thing is, is that Matthew 5, 27 uh, sets the slate clean, or the slate, same playing field for everyone. This is what Jesus says about sexual sin. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So we need to take the plank out of our own eye. We need to to evaluate our own sexual sin and stop judging people for their sin. Now, can we have a biblical standard of, of, of sexuality while we're still broken and communicate that? Well, totally. But we shouldn't cast judgment, especially on brothers and sisters in Christ, for what they're dealing with when it comes to their sexual sin. Now, if you have a friend that has habitual sin, yeah, you can call him out and call him up and say you're better than this, but just be filled with grace and realizing that we as a community, as a group, as a body of Christ must pursue purity within our sexuality and realize that all of us are broken. From the person, Jesus sets the slate clean. He says the person who looks at a woman with lustful intent, meaning that a, a, a person who looks at another person and says, I, they, they imagine them naked. They think about having sex with them. They think about doing other things with them. If you even think that thought, Jesus says you've already had sex with them. In your heart, in God's view. That's crazy. What is he saying? We all have broken sexuality. Whether you've had sex, had multiple sexual partners, whether you've, you're a virgin... And yet, you look at porn and masturbate, it says, yo, stop judging. Because your heart is what matters. God is after our heart. He's not after our behavior. Once he gets our heart, our behavior changes. Gosh. You guys are a little quiet. (laughs) A lot of notes, yeah. Here's just a few stats before I... I go to my closing. I I say these things because, not actually because of judgment at all. I I don't judge anyone for what they're dealing with. I just hope we come to the light. I remember somebody confessing sin to me of, of bestiality, and I was just like, I'm just so thankful you were able to tell me. I can't imagine what it was like for you to hold that in hiding and wonder what I would have thought if you'd have told me. And I was able to help them and ultimately help them get counseling and and walk out and it's just like, what would you do if somebody told you they were having sex or trying to have sexual acts with an animal? Would you make fun of them? Or would you say, wow, we're all broken and we need Jesus. What would you do? It seems that our reality is nowhere close to God's design. (laughs) Doesn't it? But now we have a vision. Now we as a community, as a group, can run towards Jesus. All of our brokenness, and we can run towards him together. From the person who has an occasional lustful thought to the person who seems like they're addicted to sex. We can all run towards Jesus together because we all have broken sexuality. From the person who is same-sex attracted and is afraid to tell anyone in church because they're afraid of being rejected. Listen, we all are broken. We all have broken sexuality and we all need Jesus to forgive us. We all need Jesus to make us new because we're all broken. Me, I'm so broken, guys. I don't know how... And I said, I'm just so thankful he's done a work in my life to free me. I was so self-righteous and yet God saved me from my self-righteousness and my my perverse mind because he showed me a vision of what sex was really about and that was all about giving glory to him. It was all about bringing glory to his kingdom. It was all about me learning to love my wife but even more than that, love my world. To love my sisters in Christ who once I objectified by, by looking at their bodies, now I say, you're my sister. You see, he's changed all things. So now it's not about me. It's all about glory and laying down my life for the sake of the world around me. This is the purpose of sex. This is the purpose that that it exists in within the covenant of marriage. And our world and the devil seeks to pervert that design. I am a testimony And I know others in this room can testify that with Christ, anything is possible. That with Christ, your broken sexuality, your sexual addictions can be healed. I am here to testify with dozens of other people in this room that you can be free. That you can be pure. And that nothing is impossible for Jesus, for those who come to his feet. For those who come to him. And those who will humble themselves and say, I refuse to be the master of my sexuality from this point on. I will, I will relinquish my authority and my ownership. And I, my God, my body and my sexuality is yours because I was bought with a price. He can do it. He has done it. I want to end with this story. Oh, I'll end with this statement and then this story. Jesus can make all things new. Yes, even our sexual sin and brokenness. Sorry, there we go. Luke 7, I'm gonna end with a story from Luke 7. And I, 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 that's the passage, I'm just gonna read it to you and I want you to actually just close your eyes with me. And I want you just to listen to this story, don't fall asleep. <laughs> I'll call you out if you fall asleep. I can tell. I'm kidding. I won't do that. Unless it's Trevor, then I would do it. Trevor, don't fall asleep. <laughs> Luke seven thirty six through forty eight. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus. To, or one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at a table. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner. Scholars tell us that she was most likely a prostitute. When she learned he was reclining at a table in the Pharisee's house, the woman brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. From the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You do not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven, woman. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Keep your eyes closed, please. So many people think that Jesus is going to bash them over the head with a Bible if they come to him with their sexual sin, if they come to him naked, if they come to him with, with all of their sin and brokenness and emotion and trauma. And if they bring it to Jesus, they're afraid that he'll reject them. What we find in the scriptures and what we find in this story in Luke 7 is that Jesus cannot, I'll say it this way, Jesus is gracious to those who are humble. And he forgives those who come to him with faith that he's a loving savior and a loving God who wants to forgive sin and make you brand new. Jesus can make us brand new friends, broken sexuality and all, but we have to come to him. We have to fall to his feet. We can't just come to him. We must fall to our feet. We must anoint his feet with oil. We must, we must cry at his feet, not because we're afraid, but because of how good and kind he is. That even though we were sinners, he still died for us. Even though we've spit in his face and we've told him, God will never watch porn again. I'm gonna stop having sex. We've made all these empty promises and we kick ourselves in the feet and we and we we hate ourselves for it. And, yet Jesus doesn't hate us for it. He says, just come to my feet and I will forgive you. And when you fall again, come to my feet and I will forgive you and I will make you a new creation. I will make you a new creation. Learn from me. Let me teach you who you really are and what this thing of sex is all about. And watch Jesus completely heal you and put you on a new path. With everyone's eyes still closed, I like to give an invitation for for people to get right with God. Maybe you're in the room and you, you sense God in your heart and in your mind. You sense him drawing you back to him. You sense the reality that you are broken and that you need the love and forgiveness and kindness of Jesus like never before. It's as simple as this woman showed us, all we do is approach Jesus with faith and he will save and forgive us. If you'd like to make that decision and express your faith in Jesus tonight, I wanna pray with you. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand, you just know who you are. And I just want you to pray this prayer after me. Say, Heavenly Father, Thank you for being so kind. I am broken, and I know it. You are not broken. You are perfect. You are love. You are kind. You are righteous. And yet you love me. I express my faith in you, Jesus. That your death and resurrection Forgave my sin, all of it. Would you show me how to walk out my purity from this day forward, Jesus? It's His name. We pray, Amen, Amen, guys. Well, thank you guys for listening. I, I am, a, I am so thankful for what God is doing in this group, and I just encourage us all to. Be humble in our approach. We're gonna go into community groups. I understand it can be kind of weird talking about sex (laughs) at times, but I encourage you to lean in, right? We have to talk about these things, okay? I'm not asking you to air out your dirty laundry in the group. That's not what community groups are for, but I encourage you to engage in the conversation, and we need to make it more normal for us to talk about sex and sexuality in church so that we can think more biblically, more accurately about it, amen? So I encourage you to lean in. Ray, are you gonna come up and dismiss us? Sweet, so give it up for Ray guys.